Welcome to another episode of Dirty Black Girl, the podcast. My name is Maisha, and my partner is hers, and I am the creative goddess of Dirty Black Girl, the podcast, as well as Souls and G-Spots, a business created to further Black women's self-touch, self-pleasure, and self-healing. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Souls and G-Spots, that's S-O-U-L-Z-G-S-P-O-T-Z. So today we are going to be talking about the importance of Black fatherhood, but before we dive into the topic, I want to start us off in tradition with our dirty affirmations. For those of you that are new to the podcast, dirty affirmations are simply affirmations, statements or mantras used to raise your vibration, to love on yourself, to dive deeper into yourself. But instead of doing the regular, regular, schmegular affirmations, I like to add a little twist to them, a little rawness to them by adding cuss words in them because I'm a cusser. Um, And even as a woman, a spirit woman, a spiritual woman, I tend to enjoy cussing. And so I like to add that in there. So our first dirty affirmation for today is I am fucking victorious, regardless of what my parents were not able to give me. I am fucking victorious, regardless of what my parents were not able to give me. And then our second dirty affirmation for today is no fuck shit formed against me shall prosper. No fuck shit formed against me shall prosper. So use those dirty affirmations to your advantage, to raise your vibration. And then most importantly, like with anything, you have to believe in in order for it to work. So make sure you set your intentions, believe in the power in what you're saying, and allow for it to start. So we're going to jump to our topic today. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the importance of Black fatherhood. And so for those of you that... um are new to my podcast, my last episode talked about um, daddyless daughters. And that was an episode that I did with a homegirl where we talked about just some of our hurt and experiences growing up without fathers. And I didn't feel like I gave my all to that conversation. And so that's why I want to continue with that conversation today, but add some depth, depth to it. I always struggle with that word, some depth to it. And talk about the importance of Black fatherhood. I feel like we always talk about what Black fatherhood is lacking. um, And I don't feel like we have enough conversations about how great Black fatherhood is and what it could be. Um, So I have a guest on my show today that is going to help us unpack that. Um, I felt like he was the perfect person for this, not only because he's a Black father, but because he's my friend whom I trust to be able to talk about some of the sensitivities involved in being a Black father and growing up without a Black father and repairing the relationship with Black fatherhood. So without further ado, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me, Maisha. My name is Mac. I'm originally from uh, Newark, New Jersey, moved to Florida in the early 90s, where I went to school and now I live in South Florida where I have three boys. Ow. I am a black. Thank you very much. I am a black father out here trying to do it. And I think this is an amazing topic. And I'm here to just jump right into it, get into the nitty gritty and have a very honest conversation pertaining a very important issue to me as well as you. Absolutely. So um, can you talk a little bit about, because uh, 
So yesterday, can I tell them this story about when I first came to you about the other topic and you was like, no, I'm not doing that. I want to talk about this. Or you actually didn't say, I want to talk about this. I asked you, do you want to talk about this? Can I say that? Can Absolutely. Say Go for it. So I came to him yesterday and I was like, hey, would you like to talk about gender roles in the black community? Because I'm trying to um, include more brothers in my podcast or just in my life and in my life in general, because I do a lot of a lot of black women's work or women's work. So I'm trying to kind of do more co-ed things. And um, so I said, would you like to talk about that? And he's like, ah, that's not really my bag. And he was like, gave me a list of what his bag was and black fatherhood was one of them. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about um, why you believe black fatherhood is important to talk about and why you want to talk about it? I think black fatherhood is an important topic because uh, in our community as a whole, one thing or one particular problem we've been dealing with in the last 30 to 40 years really is the absence of black fathers. Do they exist? Absolutely. Uh, are they important? I couldn't, I couldn't doubt that. But are their presence really being felt in our homes and our communities? No. And I think there's many different reasons why I think that's something that many of us unfortunately grew up without having a black father in our lives. And I think that's something that needs to change. Mm -hmm. Our sons need our dads. Our sons need our, their fathers. And so do our daughters. And I think us being able to have honest dialogue about it and really tackling and hitting these issues is the necessary beginning and helping to resolve them as well as effectively counter them so that we don't continue to see the trend and we start seeing some tangible changes. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit, um, talk a, lot, a little bit about like growing up? Um, what was your experience like growing up um, without a father? Well, for me, uh, with my parents, they got divorced when I was about six years old. Mm -hmm. But before that, I could tell you that my dad, he was, he was an, he was an involved father. He was a great father. He, I, I could, even at six, I have so many memories of him being in the home and, and the love that he shared and the love that he expressed. But unfortunately, soon as his relationship ended with my mom, overnight, I witnessed the greatest father become the absolute worst. He became an absentee father for close to 16 years. He was just out of my life. And I'm talking about no calls, no visits, no, hey, let me grab him up during the summertime, it was nothing. It literally went from not zero to a hundred, but from a hundred to zero. Mm. And then how did, and it was tough. Yeah. I mean, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, like, can you kind of take us through like, you know, just emotionally, like, you know, how that made you feel or what impact do you feel like that had on you growing up emotionally? as a Emotionally, it was very difficult. I was born in the eighties, but grew up in the nineties. And at that particular time, many of us were tasked with not just trying to define who we were as men, but who we were as black men and not just me, myself, but a lot of my, my friends and guys in my immediate area, we all didn't have our dads with us. So essentially in, in many of our, our, our hoods and our communities, it was just younger boys being raised by older boys. The, the, the impact of not having my father growing up, it, it was, it was immense. I mean, from not being able to have somebody to talk me through my first heartbreak, how to deal with rejection, as well as even not having that person there to help me 
express my anger and my hurt in a healthy way. These are things that many men at a young age don't have that father there in order to help them work through that. And you see it manifest in their adult years. And I think a lot of the problems many of our sisters have with our men, they're so closely tied into not having those, those positive experiences when they were younger and not being able to deal with it in their adult years. It all kind of connects with each other. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not excluded from that. There was a lot that I had to learn the hard way in my older years that not having my father there when I was younger, it, it, it really, really weighed heavily on me. Yeah, I, you know, okay. So I got two questions. Um, I think, what direction do I want to move with this? Because I kind of want to talk about like, um, if you could give us some specifics of like how not having a father has manifested into your um, like your your adulthood and specifically how do you see that showing up in how you interact with people or in your you know how you just navigate specifically like what can you give us like some experiences that you've had where you're like where it became clear to you like damn if I would have had a more long-lasting relationship with my father, I may would have navigated this a little different. Okay. I could tell you that uh, even from a young age, even before I understood what a love language was, I knew that the way that I needed love expressed to me was through words of affirmation. My father, the reason why I can remember those experiences when I was young is because he was amazing at that. At any given moment, he would be able to say, hey, son, I love you, or whenever we went somewhere and I did even the smallest thing, he'd, he'd, he'd parade me in front of his friends or, or his family, like, hey, that's my son. And he elevated me in such a way that I felt his love and I felt that, that, that discomfort through his mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. And when he wasn't there, I could say my mom's love language was uh, acts of service mm-hmm. as well as one could say even in, in giving gifts. Her way of expressing her love was, well, here's what I'm doing for you. And I'm doing it because I love you. But for me, that was a great way for her to express her love, but that's not how I needed it. And not having that, I could say I grew up with a sense of uh, abandonment as well as a need for acceptance. Because when a father leaves his child at a very young age, that child now has to deal with, well, why did he leave? Was it something within myself? I know it sounds very cliche, but these are real internal dialogue and questions that young men and young women have for themselves. Like, what is it about me that my father couldn't stick around? Or even if things didn't work out with my mom, why didn't he make the conscious effort to still be a part of my life? And I could tell you, it, it made me grow up very fast and not in the best of ways, because in searching for that acceptance because it's almost like the and this is, this is my personal opinion i believe that the while the roles of mom and dad might be a hundred percent different their necessity and importance in a child's life i believe is a hundred percent equal we mm-hmm. get different things from mom and dad but we need different things from mom and dad one of one of the uh conversations that i remember having with my mom it really stuck out she once said, Mac, I can't be both mom and dad, but I promise you, son, I'll be the best mom I can be to you. 
And I loved her for that because she absolutely poured everything into me. But even with that being said, I still grew up feeling like I still needed more. And mm-hmm. what I needed and what I searched for aimlessly, I wasn't able to fill because it could only come from him. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I think was powerful too about what you're saying is, is that I love how you put this in a, in a, in a understanding of love language because um, I would argue that our parents help us to, our, not just parents, but our surroundings in general, people that we grow up with help us to define our love languages, even if we don't know it's a love language. I think we learn by what is the love that's been given to us that, oh, I like that. I actually don't. So Mm -hmm. I think it's powerful that you're saying that um, until I met my, you know, or uh, re um, visited my relationship with, you know, my father, I didn't like know how much my spirit was yearning for, for affirmation. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't know that. Right. And so I think that that's so powerful because as a, as a woman who grew up without a father, my love language has not been shaped by him. So I don't, in some ways I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking about like, well, what am I for? Like, what am, what do I, what is my spirit yearning for that? I don't even Mm -hmm. know that it's like yearning for, you know what I mean? Like that's powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one of those things, too, where it's like, uh, I think if it was one of those situations where he was gone from the time I was a baby, I might not have even had that. But because, like I said, uh, I can remember that. I can remember those feelings. I can remember how happy and how full it made me feel to get that type of love. Because when your parent, when your parent loves on you and they praise you and they do it publicly and they're able to just pour their emotions out about you, even at a young age, when you're still formulating your idea of love, that helps in such an amazing way. It helps in such an amazing way. And I think uh, from my teen years to my, my, my later teen years, like I was always searching, even when I was searching for a, 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 a love from a woman, I was always gravitating towards the women who were able to express themselves through their words. Because I still needed it, and I still, and, and 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 that was something that I couldn't not have in my relationships. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's powerful. Like I, I've never, I've never thought about it like that. And you talk about love languages all the time. Like that's your bag. You were always talking about my love language and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, you know, I mean, I talk about it, but I don't get into it that deep like how you do. And I think that. Um, I think that that's powerful because I've never thought about it in that way. Like, damn, a part of my love that's not, you know, been developed as a woman. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, not about just like, oh, I, my dad wasn't around, but like my love hasn't been developed. <laughs> that's crazy. I never thought about it like that. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. And that's why I think I, uh, I go so deep into the love language. Learning about what we need from love learning about how we want to receive love when you go on the course of learning about that in that mm-hmm. process you learn about yourself you learn yeah. valuable important things about yourself and sometimes in learning that sometimes when we're in those moments of solitude in those moments of hey you know i'm just kind of healing myself those questions are important that yeah. reflection is is crucial in being able to say hey uh 
maybe in learning why this means so much to me, I can not only help myself, but I can also heal myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking about? Because right now, I didn't share this with you, but I'm going to share with you and everybody that's going to listen to this episode. But I got into an argument with my mom last week. And I haven't been talking to her. And I was, I was disrespectful. I can, I can acknowledge that. Um, and the disrespect was coming from a place of hurt because I was just, I was just expressing to her because I also talked to my dad last week. And, um, you know, sometimes talking to him is like <laughs> really, really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just telling her, I got angry and I was like, this is why I want to make better choices with my body and my life because I don't want to give my child a father like how I have and all of this stuff. And I felt really angry with her, like really angry with her because, and I, and I was even blaming her for, um, for why my life is the way that I, it is because I, what I was feeling last week was, is I'm, I'm having to do all of this, like, cleanup, this healing work. Mm-hmm. And nobody's helping me do it. And I was feeling like I had to do this work because of what adults chose. Like, I didn't ask to be born, you know, or maybe, I don't yeah. know, you know. You know what I'm saying? I understand. I understand. I was feeling like, damn, I'm having to do this shit that y'all, because y'all made poor choices. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, I say all of that to say that, to bring this back around to the love language conversation that I think sometimes why parent uh, children can get frustrated with the parent that's present um, is not is not it's because there's something that you're yearning from the other parent that you can't get from this parent so you like take it out on this parent and you don't realize that like I think we don't realize at least I don't realize is that if I had a father I wouldn't even be frustrated about what my mama is or can't give me right like I wouldn't be so frustrated about it because but because um like my father hasn't been around I'm expecting for her to be all of these things and it's like that's not even realistic so I guess that leads me to my question of before you do that, before you and forgive me for interjecting, uh, I want you to elevate that last thing you just said and think about this. And this is something that I had to think about myself. Mm-hmm. When I look at when we look at our, our parents, we look at our mom and our dad. We we are extensions of them. We come from them. There's there's literally parts of both of them within us. And that same conversation you had with your mom, that same feeling you had, the same uh uh uh. uh realization you had in terms of well you know i'm expecting everything from her here's where it always is so grossly unfair for that parent that is there mm-hmm. it's because we literally are formed by two different people mm-hmm. there's literally a side of you that that other person will be able to understand just like that because whatever that is it's also inside of them mm-hmm. but it's not inside that other parent mm-hmm. they can give you a thousand percent be able to, to relate as well as empathize, sympathize, uh, uh, be right there with you with everything in you that comes from them. But there's that whole other part that they'll try and try and try, but that's not of them because it's not from them. Mm. And I don't wow. think we think about that enough. Oh, that's, that's powerful. That's so fucking powerful because this is why I live doing this because like, 
I had planned out, like I sent you a whole bunch of questions. Like I'm going to ask you this. I'm not even looking at that list. Number one, cause I can't, cause I'm scared to click out the app and end 20 minutes worth of beautifulness that we just created. And then secondly, because conversations just flow. And I think that mm -hmm. that's, that's something that I didn't even think of, which is like the spiritual component of this, right? The, the, and when you think about, oh, fuck, mind fuck. When you think about why Black fatherhood is so important, it's important because it's, it's a spiritual connection. And when mm -hmm. Black fathers, or even Black mothers, but we're specifically talking about Black fathers, when Black fathers are not around, there is a spiritual disruption. It's deeper just physically that person not being available. It, it's a whole spiritual disruption because you're right. I've never been around my father a day in my life. I went to see my father in, um, in prison when I was um, 18 for the first time, eight, either eight, 17 or 18 or 19. I can't think of it. It's been almost a damn decade now, but um, my father and I have so many characteristics that are alike that I can't, even explain because it's it's cr other than a spiritual connection because I've never been around them. So I know mm -hmm. that they talk about that nature versus nurture. I'm like, well, I know it's not. Um, I know it's not. Uh, what is it? Is that nature? Nurture. Nurture. It's not. It's not nurture because you wasn't there. Not nurture, right? Because I'm like, well, I haven't. <clears throat> I haven't been around around this person. You know what I mean? But it's crazy. But like. Well, think about it like this. The same way the ancestors came back around within him, those same ancestors came right back around within you. Yeah. So those ties that you have to him, you guys both have to somebody else. So it's like, even if you, you, you weren't even around him, you guys share a connection. It's, it's, it's literally inside of you. Oh, it's spiritually. Me. Yeah. I'm thinking about two specifically, right? Let's say... Okay, let's say we have um, even trauma, right? Like when we talk about as black folks, when we talk about like trauma that's passed down, like, you know, spiritually, genetically or whatever, right? And we talk, or, or, or we could even talk about challenges that you might have, right? Like maybe your parent had a challenge with something or mm -hmm. um, whether it was anger or something, right? Like if you have a that connection or what you get from that, that spiritual connection that you have from that parent, if that parent is not available in your life, they can't teach you how to effectively navigate that. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. There, there's this disconnection of like, you know, like, like for example, my father is a writer, a fucking phenomenal writer. Um, and, uh, he, I, a lot of his writing that I read growing up was um, absurd because he used to send these crazy ass letters, um, but he was eloquent. It was crazy, but it was eloquent. And, I, and I'm also an excellent writer, right? So it was crazy because the other day I was on the phone with him and we were talking and he was, um, I was writing my, um, my biography for this event that I'm doing on Saturday that I want to see y'all at, We the Single. Um, and so I, um, was reading it to him and he was like, oh, well, you know, you should, um, switch the word, this word around with this word so that it could sound like this. And it was crazy because I would never be able to have that conversation with my mama. Mm -hmm. Like my mom would never be able, she would go, oh, that sound great. <laughs> Cause that's know? not her bag. Like, that's not mom's bag. That's dad's bag. My mom's bag. That's dad's bag. Right. But 
it's just it's just so crazy how you I'm so glad that you took this conversation to that level of thinking because that's a component that I didn't even like I didn't even see that that wasn't even on my radar but that that's why black fatherhood is so important because black spirituality is important right the elevation of black spirit is important and that's why we need black dads because of the connections that we have to them and we need them to um to nurture us so I guess that leads me into my next question I'm kind of just remembering the questions I wrote down and just hopping all over the place but can you talk a little bit um about well before you talk about that I want to preface and say that oftentimes fatherhood um is demonized or minimized rather to what black men or fathers can contribute to their children financially and so um what happens with that is is that there's not a component or an expectation for for fathers to nurture their children. Um, so, and I, one of the things that like, I appreciate about you so much in general, just not with your children, just, but just like with how you are in general is so nurturing. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you feel like black fatherhood, why it's so important for black fathers to be nurturing? Absolutely. Uh, I can tell you the whole aspect of when black men grew up without their fathers. And this is just my opinion experiences that particular traumatic situation i've personally seen it only produce two types of dads Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a guy who experienced that and use that pain channel it transfer it into power and then transfer it again into progress and become an amazing dad or you're gonna see a guy go through that situation and it's weighed down on him so much emotionally, mentally, and spiritually that he literally just becomes exactly like his dad in all the worst ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen that situation just produce an okay dad. Mm-hmm. He's either going to be, well, he didn't have his dad in his life. And look how great he is. Oh, man, this dude is terrible. Yeah, yeah he didn't have his dad. He, he's no better than his daddy. Like, right. you never just see that situation produce an okay father. But I can tell you, uh, in my process, of turning that pain into power, I I learned firsthand growing up how it felt to not have my dad around for these things. I can remember, uh, and this is this is funny, but sad at the same time. When I was learning how to drive a car, my mom worked two jobs. So literally, as I was going to school, my mom was coming from a job, taking some rest, and going to another job. The way I learned how to drive a car is uh, on some nights where she would come home dead tired, go home and just. Uh, just just knock out and go to sleep, I would take her car and just drive in a circle around our block over and over and over again and just teach myself. Yeah. I can remember going to church as a young man with my tie on and uh, not it, it not being done and just have like, you know, uh, the pastor, you know, bring me outside and him just teach me how to tie a tie. I can remember having, you know, little singing things at my school, looking out in the audience and having literally no one there for me. And uh, these were all painful things. But as I grew up, I told myself, wow, man, I know what this feels like. I cannot imagine in a million years putting my child through the same thing. I barely survived it. And the way we look at things these days, they're not getting easier. They're getting more difficult. So if I barely came out of that in one piece, I can't ever put my kids through that. So I said, Mac, you know what? 
you knew all the different ways. And make no mistake about it, the financial part is extremely important. Like, it, it's, it's terrible because society is so harsh and brutal and unfair on our black mothers. But they're having to fulfill roles and, and, and responsibilities and tasks that were literally made for two people. Mm-hmm. And the financial side is important. As fathers, as men, we need to understand the importance of providing. I always say we're here to provide, we're here to prepare, and we're also here to, to be able to uh, uh, not just provide financially, but like you said, also provide emotionally. Because again, even when I think about the whole, we joke about it, but the whole notion of when black dudes, you know, the cat calling thing where they'll see a girl walk by and be like, hey, baby, how you doing? And she's not receptive to it. Nine times out of ten, women know that hey baby is going to turn into the most derogatory, offensive, vulgar, obscene, and just just violent uh, mm-hmm. verbal lashings ever. That's because our brothers are not taught how to deal with rejection at a young age. They take mm-hmm. it personal, and they transfer almost every emotion you could think of and express it as rage and anger. Right. Like, we need our fathers to step in and... and, and and talk our kids off the ledge. Talk our sons right. to a way where it's a situation where we're not all putting all this responsibility, blame, and accountability simply on our young girls, but also on our young boys as well. You know, as opposed to having the conversation always be, well, why was she wearing that? We need to also include, well, why aren't our sons being taught self-discipline and character right. and integrity? Yeah. I'm not saying these aren't things that a mom can't teach a, a young boy, but she shouldn't have to continuously teach all these things by herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Like nurturing, you know what I'm saying? Like nurturing, again, going back to the spiritual component, like nurturing the spirits of our, of, of black boys and black girls, black babies in general. Um, I think that that's an, it's important. Why do you think that, um, why do you think that, or do you think black men struggle with being nurturing? And just Traditionally, like- I can answer that very, very, very uh, simply. Traditionally, historically, culturally, black men's representation of our essence has been within our strength. Now, that's not a bad thing. The only complication that has arose from it is how we're defining what it is to be a strong black man. Mm-hmm. Now, Historically, we're, we're, we've defined it as a man who's literally able to go through anything and everything the world can throw at him and appear unfazed by it. Now, yeah. it sounds good, but it doesn't feel good and it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be the generation that deconstructs that and starts providing uh, really spaces as well as outlets for our men to be able to just express pain express yeah. hurt because i think those are two things that brothers just it's not always an unwillingness but truthfully an inability to express mm-hmm. these things there's not enough experiences even at a young age being able to because here's the thing as well going back to our moms and their infinite wisdom and, and, and just them in the spirit of doing all they can they're like mm-hmm. hey you know what i want to raise a strong man so when they do see their young boys you know kind of going through something They'll say, hey, son, you know, man up, be strong. Because for them, they're like, hey, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. And I want to raise a strong man. And I don't want it to, because the way the world is looking at it, 
the message and lessons I'm giving to him, that's what he's going to give to the world. So if he fails, it's not he failed, but I failed him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, an, that's, that's, that's too much pressure. That's right. way too much pressure. And right. I think honestly and truly, for me, even with my own sons personally, I'm making my habit to, to, to talk about everything, even when it comes to an emotion. Son, are you mad? Well, why are you mad? Talk to me. What's going on? Break down the root of it. And I think at times in us being able to do that and having sometimes even those painful and uncomfortable conversations, we, we create moments where our kids become comfortable in expressing themselves as well as being able to find the right words to express themselves. Because when, they, when, we, wait for them, when we wait for them to just magically be able to do it as adults, it just doesn't happen. Right. Can you talk a little bit about one of my favorite stories? I think this was your, um, your, I'm not going to, I don't want to say your baby's names. Um, you can say them. I don't want to be responsible for that, but, um, with your youngest where I think like you lost your keys or something like that. Yes. 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 Because the reason why I want you to tell that story is because, um, is because for any black fathers or even any black men who will become fathers that may listen to this, I want them to know what nurturing, like what that looks like in praxis, you know, not just like on a theoretical level, but like what that looks like in when you put it into practice. Okay. Go ahead, tell that story. We had a movie that we were, I have three sons. Oldest son is, is Mac the second. Uh, middle son is named Malcolm. Third son is named Malik, but I've always called him Google. Now, uh, we're about to go to the movies. I'm getting these guys all ready and, you know, bathed, cleaned, and, and clothes on them. And after I was done doing that, I myself was going to go into the bathroom to get myself ready. I'm making perfect timing. I, I'm Literally, the last thing to do is just grab my keys, close all the lights, and go out. Uh, I can't find my keys. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm searching and searching. I just can't find them. I know right before I went into the bathroom, my youngest son, I heard the keys in his hand, and he was playing with it. Now, I come out. And I'm asking, I'm saying, hey, Google, where, where's my keys at? And he says, I don't know. I said, son, well, you need to find it because we need them to go out. And I said, well, where did you put your, where'd you put, where's the last place you put them? And he's telling me random places that he thinks that the keys are. I'm going there. The keys are not there. And as we're, we're searching around the house, and he's telling me all these different places, not there. Of course, understandably so, I'm getting frustrated because time is going by, and we're nearing closing to missing our time for the movie. And then finally, he comes to me. He goes, dad, I think I know where the keys are. I think I, I put the keys in your wallet. I'm thinking, wow, now he's just literally just saying anything. Like, why would he put the keys in my wallet? And I'm like, Google, you're just, you're just saying anything now. And I'm getting upset because now I'm looking at the time. We can't find the keys. We've missed a move. And essentially, the night has kind of not panned out the way I wanted it to pan out. So in just being upset, I said, Google, man, I can't believe, you know, you, you, you lost my keys. I sent him to bed early, you know, and uh, the rest of the boys, you know, they played their video games and then they went to sleep. And, uh, of course, I'm just in my room taking my clothes off and just suddenly told me, hey, like, like I, just revisiting what happened. Like, I can't believe a little boy told me He put the keys in my pocket, in, in my wallet. <laughs> I look on the dresser just to, just to satisfy my own, my own justification and my anger. And right. uh, I grab my wallet, open it up. The first thing I see inside my wallet is my keys. Mm. And I kid you not, at this point, I'm not gonna lie to you. And if, if this, this is the real podcast, I keep it real. I was I was almost in tears. I was almost in tears because I was disappointed in myself. Because yeah. just thinking about 
and he's only four years old, but I just couldn't imagine what was it like in his mind because I know he felt the pressure of just trying to remember, but also having that realization, wait a minute, I know I put it in dad's, in dad's wallet and him telling me and me not believing him and me even and essentially punishing him for not being able to produce those keys when he told me where they were at and I didn't believe him. And even though it was late, it wasn't that long since, since I, I put him to bed, but Sunday Mars said, Mac, don't let it just end like this. Mm-hmm. So I went to his room. I woke him up, made sure he was awake. I brought him to my room. I said, son, I did find the keys. They were right where you said that they were. I'm sorry I didn't believe you. He said, Dad, does that mean you're not mad at me? I said, son, I was never mad at you. And I'm sorry if I, if I, if I didn't believe you. I gave him a hug. I gave him a hug. He told me he loved me. I told him I love him. It was interesting because he said it first. He said, I love you, Dad. I said, I love you too, son. And then he went back to sleep. And for me, that was, that was important. I think a lot of times as parents, there is, in, 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 in mothers and fathers, there's a sense of pride and ego. But we see it a little bit more in our men and in our dad. We got that ego. I'm always right. I'm dad. That, that's synonymous with being right. But, right. Sometimes we, but sometimes we get it wrong. And I think we're able to, to create a teachable lesson as well as make such a profound impact in our kids' lives when we're able even as men, even as big, strong men, to say, hey, I was wrong, and I got this wrong, son, or, or I got this wrong, baby girl, I'm sorry. That yeah. means a lot to our kids, even at a young age. I could feel that he understood where I was coming from. Right. You know, I think, and the reason why, like I said, I wanted you to tell that story is because I want people to, like, understand, you know, like, to nurture something is like the patience that you use in a process to um, develop something, you know, and it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're going to be without error, but just being patient with ourselves to um, admit like, damn, I to revisit something and think about it and say, okay, let me reflect. I, I, maybe I didn't do that right. I fucked up on that. Let me apologize. You know, a lot of times I don't think, there was this like, um, and I'm sure you saw it, a, um, it was like a post, maybe a meme that was floating around that said black parents don't apologize to their kids enough or something like that. And, they just say, are you hungry? Like, yeah, I, I right. seen the meme. Exactly. They, they don't apologize. I just ask you if you're hungry. Yeah. And I remember as a child, my mama doing that so many times, her being just dead ass wrong about things and responding to it by again, providing me with my, uh, responding to it by apologizing with giving me my basic needs, right? Mm -hmm. Like food, water, shelter, clothing, you know? And, um, and it's like, it's okay to say, you know, I apologize, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And I think that that that's important, even in this conversation around black fatherhood, because, um, when black fathers apologize to their to their children, even in that for the in that in that process of trying to rebuild relationships with our fathers, I really think it it, it creates this space to forgive. Um, and that's something I've struggled with with my dad is just how everything. I think he's getting better, but for a mm-hmm. long time, everything was everybody else's fault. <laughs> everything that he did that he didn't do was everybody fault it wasn't it it never had nothing to do with him and um and I was just like well then I can't build with you because then 
you become a victim in a situation where in fact you were an adult that made decisions and i know that that your decisions are reflected through trauma are reflected from your trauma but nevertheless you made choices and Mm -hmm. you don't get to play victim with your child in this you know what i mean like you don't get to do that and so anywho can you talk a little bit about take us back and talk a little bit about your rekindling your relationship with your father and that forgiveness process and what was that like for you it was probably not even probably it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life and simultaneously one of the most important mm-hmm. uh, I had to if I was being completely honest with myself it was an anger that I felt it was hurt it was pain because again my dad he was able to get me in a way that nobody had and again it's probably because there was things within me that he knew was within him so mm-hmm. he knew how to approach them in a way that literally nobody could not women not my family nothing nothing could get to me or could get me the way he was able to and i had and this was before i had my first child i i kind of was it just and it was really random i was having to talk with myself i said mac you're about to embark on your own journey of fatherhood mm-hmm. do you want to do you want to enter this journey still having this huge unresolved issue unpacked baggage and right. and, and just hurt with your father do you want to do that Right. Now, the, ch- the biggest hurdle that I had to get over was we visualize and uh, uh, we fantasize and we just envision sometimes how things will go a lot of, and, and about a lot of different things in our lives. And sometimes it's difficult with us handling if things don't go that way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how I would react or what emotional space I would be if number one he didn't want to rebuild a relationship or if number two I didn't get an apology or if number three it just wasn't the same because for years he was able to coast on the memories I had of him now I had to ask myself in all those years that he wasn't in my life what if he changed what if Mm -hmm. all those amazing things I loved about him I appreciated about him I missed about him what if he was no longer that guy Mm -hmm. And that was tough. But again, I knew I didn't want to go into my own journey in fatherhood without fixing my issues with my own dad. Because like it or not, whether I wanted to admit it or not, I needed him. Maybe now then more than I ever did my whole entire life. Because Mm -hmm. now I was going to get my opportunity to either continue a cycle or to break it or to create a new one. Because some situations will require different things. Right. And one day, just out in blue, I called the uncle who lived where my dad lived. I said, hey, man, you know, can I get his number? And he was like, whoa, are you for real? I said, I'm for real. Let me get his number. I got his number. And I remember we, I called him up. He immediately recognized my voice. He was, right? I said, that is me. And we talked on the phone for close to six hours. Mm. We just talked and we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked. I filled him in on things going on inside of my life. Talked to me about things going on with him. We laughed. I had a lot of moments. A lot of moments where I cried. A lot of moments where he cried. But mm-hmm. I said I wasn't going to get off the phone until I just got all, all this out of my system. And right. I did. And so did he. And we just began. And, and it was weird because literally 
overnight. He just came back into my life. Like, and, and he just picked up, like, he never was gone. And I was, I'm not going to lie, it's something that I'm very grateful for because I know not every brother and sister has that same, has that same uh, outcome. Right. But he came back into my life and almost, even in that first conversation, I realized why I missed him so much. And I realized why I needed him the way I did. Yeah. And uh, it was something that, like I said, it was a breakthrough because I knew I couldn't go into fatherhood just blindly like that. Yeah. You know what's so powerful about that is the release of ego, right? Because it takes you, it takes for a person to release their ego to be able to even do that. And I think what, at least from what I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that what allowed for you to release your ego is you centering your children's love or the love for your children centering that. And that became most important for you. And you knew that in order for you to be able to walk into that love as you know confident and tall as you could, um, there was some things you had to let go of mm-hmm. and talk through and release. And I think that that's so beautiful and powerful um, because not, uh, not a lot of people, um, but brothers in general, know how to release their ego in, in, in when it comes to a lot of things, right? Like, I think that ego in manhood, I don't know if it's just synonymous to black men, but I think just, I think it might be hyper, hyper, I guess you could say visible with black men that there's an ego thing and validly so, because I think that, or I know that, that um, because black men are, are often, more than not under you know scrutiny and attack the ego is the thing that they they have that protects them you know and so it's i don't know i just think no you're definitely going you're definitely going down the right path because uh when we all become adults Mm -hmm. there's pride and ego now the pride is on the part of your parent who feels like you're the child you need to come to me Mm -hmm. the ego is on your side where you feel like you're the one that didn't do what you were supposed to do, but you're not willing to have that difficult realization and conversation yourself that no matter how angry I am, I miss this person and I want this person in my life. Yeah. And it's tough because often we're faced with, 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 with these two different questions. Well, if this person never reaches out to me, will I be okay with just not having any type of relationship with my father? Right. And number two, what kind of person, what kind of man or woman will I be if I don't resolve this? I know this might be controversial and some might disagree, but I think even when it comes to our parents, if you, not even our parents, forget that. When it comes to your healing, do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you need to do because some might not understand it. Heck, there was a lot of people that was like, wow, man, you know, like, like wow, his dad was not in his life, and then when, when they when they later on, you know, saw us in pictures together and, and saw the way I talked about him, they couldn't believe it. It was like this guy virtually was just not here, and look at them now. And I yeah. said, hey, you know, I needed this. You're not, you, and, and, and people might not understand it. People not might not respect it. People not even agree with it. But you know what you need for your healing, and in yeah. order for me to heal, 
in order for me able to tap into my greatest greatness, in order for me to vibrate into my highest of the highest of higher self, I needed mm-hmm. to forgive him. And I even needed to accept apologies I never even received because let's be honest, this is a part of my healing and my journey that doesn't necessarily mean it's a part of his. Right. That's powerful. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, and I know I didn't, <laughs> I just thought of this, but I think it's important to talk about. And um, and I didn't put this on our on the list, but I want to talk about, I think in our friendship, right, it's become very evident to me just how <laughs> much healing I need to do with men and how much of that stems from, you know, not um, growing up with a father, but just also not having a, a real strong, real strong relationships with, with black men as a child, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that the lack of black fathers, um, for I think it manifests in different ways than it does for boys than it does for girls. I think both damaging, but I think it looks different. Um, and what I'm noticing, at least in my situation, is that there's this I I on top of society um, sexualizing relationships with between you know men and women. Um, I noticed that how I understood men was through sex or, you know, through, um, yeah, it was largely through a sexual component. It wasn't, it wasn't through, it wasn't through an, a healthy component. And so at 27, I'm trying to figure out, well, what, what value do, do men serve? And, you know, like what role do they, do I want men to play in my life? And so I'm wondering if you could be just, you know, honest and just transparent and maybe we can just talk a little bit about like, just like our, your experience with me and like being this super patient dude with this woman and being her friend and knowing that I have these issues with men that stem from not having a dad. Like, I think uh, me being a little bit older as well as me going through it and me in some ways still overcoming because because mm-hmm. here's the thing even with my dad you know us you know uh rekindling and rebuilding what we we're able to do there's even some times now where uh i'll think about certain things i look mm-hmm. back on them and say well wow this could have been different or i look at some things within myself and say wow man like like this could have possibly been different if he would have been there now when it comes to you and not just you but everybody but but specifically in our dealings, I always mm-hmm. understood patience is key because a lot mm-hmm. of times, sometimes what people are not saying this is more important than what they are saying. Also, it's like, I know what it feels like to express rage, to express anger, but it's really just pain. And sometimes yeah. it's just displaced pain or sometimes it's just like, hey man, I'm hurt, but I'm not quite comfortable expressing that hurt. So you're going to get this anger. <laughs> yeah and 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 I've, I've done that i've done that before but it's like for me it's one of the things where it's like i can recognize it now i know what it looks like and i know that hey you know what the last thing that somebody hurting needs is for people to give up on it because when your dad is not around even my young age 
Because here's in, in, in the double back on something. Fathers teach kids lessons, whether they're there or not. The problem is when a dad is not there, you are teaching your kids one of the worst lessons in life, and that's to not trust people. And that yeah. even those closest to you will give up on you. Because that's what it feels like. Essentially, yeah. kids don't understand. They're not able to understand the dynamics of, you know, mommy and daddy not working out and dad is just not here because, let's be honest, if we're going to have be honest, let's be honest, sometimes dad looks at his, his woman and his kids as a package deal. So when he loses one, he loses the other. Or when he loses one, a casualty of war is the kids. Mm. And that's not fair. Yeah. And those two, those two entities are completely separate. But unfortunately, a lot of brothers these days, and not even just these days, a lot of brothers in general, they don't look at it as two different things. They look at it as the hatred or hurt or unresolved issue I have with your mom. By proxy, you're going to inherit that as well. Because when I look at her, I, yeah. I see, when I look at y'all, I see her. When I think of y'all, I think of her and I don't want to think of her. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. That's a tough bag. When dealing with you, I say, hey, well, you know what? Let me give her space. Let me give her room to express herself however she chooses to express it with parameters to make sure that we're always still respecting one another as, 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 as friends and as human beings. But whatever yeah. you feel you need to say, I let you say it. I give you time right. to express yourself. And if and when you feel comfortable and double back and saying, hey, here's what was going on. I got a line that I always say is, hey, I still got love for you. Come to the block. I'll shake off the rug for you because that's what people need. I think, I think nowadays we praise just walking away, giving up. Or I'll, I'll, like you even see memes, but oh boy, ain't nothing to cut somebody off. I can understand. I talk about that all the time. Like my cutoff. Yeah. I have a cutoff problem. And, and I, but have... sometimes it's necessary, but I get it though, because sometimes let's be honest, we give people chances undeservingly. So I get yeah. it. Sometimes it could be to your detriment to continuously let somebody in that's only breaking you down. That could do you more harm than good. But I still think as adults, one of the things that we should task ourselves with is knowing how to differentiate the connections, relationships, and bonds that are worth the time, worth the challenges, and worth enduring those not-so-good times. Because let's be honest, they will come. But it's how you respond to those challenging times that's going to define that relationship friendship connection in the long run right and I think like you know just specifically speaking to me and you um because I (laughs) it's not funny I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable with my shenanigans but um just with me like trying to just cut you off like you know a hundred and 50,000 times and you just being like super patient and in some ways and I think I've said this to you before in some ways you father father me you know what I mean like at least with the with the with the with some of the things that you do you know what I mean like I think it's 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 something that I know that I need as a woman and I'm very clear about why you know like I'm you're a part of my life and it is because it is it's to help me grow as a woman because I think the thing that when you don't have a father or a healthy father, you end up going through life as a specifically speaking from a woman's perspective, trying to find that in men. Not and only that, you go through life, 
you literally go through life in defense mode. Yeah, you go through life mode. in defense mode. Um, but then also it's defense mode and then also this open openness too. Right. Mm-hmm. You like you're like running into danger, but then you know, are defensive at the same time, you know, because there's literally you're confused. It's, there's no guidance. So you're trying to figure it out. And I think with me, um, Damn, I lost my train of thought. I think, I don't know. I just think with me, you, like I said, you helped father, have helped father me and helped me to um, really think about my, my, my shit, my shit with men. Like you've helped me to really like, I think that process started for me maybe about um, like two years ago, year and a half ago with, a, with an, another man, man friend that I had at the time. Um, but he wasn't as in a healthy of a space as you are. And so, you know, that relationship got severed over some things that I still don't even understand to this day. Um, but I think you're in a healthier space to help me dig, to, to continue that work and dig deeper in that stuff. And, um, like even, I don't know if I can share this, but even just like with one of the things you said to me one time when you was like, um, when you was like, you know, you, I feel like you, your relationships with men have largely been sexual and that's not the road that I want to go down with you. I just want to, you know, focus on, um, being friends and providing you with a safe space. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's so important, um, because what happens is, is so many of, um, of a sister's run into men who don't do that or don't know how to do that. So you have these situations where um, you're unconscious, like brothers are either consciously or unconsciously taking advantage of the parts of you that they don't even know that are hurting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I I think it's dope how you was able to see into that and go, okay, I want to handle that, handle um, this with a lot more care. And I just want to, be helpful you know <laughs> I don't want to harm this person I want to be helpful to this person um, I think all all and it's funny we're having this conversation as well as what the centerpiece is about it because here's here's something that I didn't include in the in the early parts of the conversation but when my father stepped in stepped yeah. out excuse me and I was on that path and on that road to kind of define what type of black man I wanted to be thankfully at a young age I got introduced to Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, Bob Marley, and Nelson Mandela, and a lot of positive black men, as well as black women, Dr. Maya Angelou, and uh, uh, Dr. Francis Crest Wilson. So many different positive black men and black women, and just reading up on their ideologies, their 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 approach, and their beliefs in necessity, in, in, in such importance they place on the relationship that black men have with black women in all in, in every aspect, every facet of it. I think from a young age, I said, hey, man, you know what? I know the type of black man I want to be. I know the type of man I want to be. And I was trying to work on those two things simultaneously. Even when it mm-hmm. comes to you, I said, hey, man, not just men. I believe we all need people in our lives that we can depend on. It don't got to be a lot. And matter of fact, to be honest, there's an old expression that says, if you can count uh, the most important people in your life, or excuse me, if you, if you can count your closest friends on two hands, count again. Count again. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, the older we get, the more 
importance that is placed on quality over quantity. Because when we mm-hmm. go on through the, 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 the harshest of the harshest things, you don't need 50 people. You just need one. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you just need one. When you're going yeah. through that rough day or you're going through that rough patch, you don't need the group chat. You just need one person who really cares, who's really able to listen, and who's not going to give up on you and say, hey, man, let me, just, let me just get it all out. Please, let me just get it all out. Because half of the oh, problem... Yeah, that, that's... Okay, I'm sorry, but that's something that I wanted to highlight. I feel like I touched on it, but I really wanted to highlight that because um, just... Okay, so... And this is for sisters that are listening to this that, you know, have grown up with our fathers and have had predominantly unhealthy relationships with men and brothers. Um, it's, and, and this is for brothers too I think it's so important that when brothers are dealing with sisters what, through whatever capacity whether it's friendship romantic whatever I think it's so important that if you know that this is like a daddyless daughter type of situation if you are not ready to um, really stand with that woman don't just go away don't even waste your time (laughs) you know what I mean like if Mm -hmm. you not and not every not everybody is ready for that and that's cool I don't think everybody needs to be but I'm gonna just really urge brothers that if you are dealing with a woman whom has had predominantly unhealthy relationships with men and you are not ready to stand with her and fight for her and really show her that she's worthy of um you know, of, of, of a man being there and, 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 and sticking it out and, and healing with her and repairing things with her, then just going about your business. Cause, um, I think that that's what you showcase for me is right. Like, like you saying as a friend, you're like, okay, no, we're going to talk. You know what I mean? You, I know you used to just men just kind of dipping in and out your life and you being able to just cut them off when you want to but like no (laughs) we're going to talk we're going to process you're going to take a break you know what I mean like all Mm -hmm. of that type of stuff that I think is going to be meaningful for me when I do find you know when I am in a in a space where I'm ready to be in a relationship with somebody and I find what I'm looking for I'll be more more equipped for that man because I don't know, I won't be so quick to run out on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's what that's what fathers teach their daughters. But when you don't have that, you be ready to leave niggas. You be dipping in and out because that's what men have done. That's what mm-hmm. men have been in and out. Either I watch my mom, men, you know, her men just not show up for her and do for her or whatever. You know, this is what I've seen, and so. Um, I just think that that's important to highlight and talk about. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, real quick, I wanna I wanna close on um, what advice do you have for fathers whom have not been a part of their children's lives? advice I have for them is understand that your kids aren't seeking perfection. They're seeking progress. Mm-hmm. When they want you there, they want you there because they need you there. This world is very difficult and it's even more difficult 
without you being there. I know sometimes as men, there's that pride and there's that, that, that immense guilt. And, and to be honest with you, in our culture, in our background, because we've seen so many strong black women do it on their own, men sometimes tell themselves, well, I know, you know, they, they're not missing me. You know, I know, you know, uh, mom can handle it. Yes, she can handle it. She shouldn't have to. And she wasn't created to. You know what, honestly, I'm sorry. I want to say that I I don't think that black women can handle it. I just think that black women are... um, Another situation where there's no choice. Yeah, it's just a situation where it's just like you have to do what you have to do. But I do think that black women, it adds a lot of extra stress. Just like if it's a black father who's raising kids where a mom, because I've heard of situations like that as well, it create, but it tends to be on the other side of it more. It creates a lot more added stress than mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't that wouldn't uh, would otherwise not be there. And so I don't think I think that with all we've been through as black men and women and people, I, I, I just don't think that we are equipped to be able to handle it. I think we do the best we can, but that that right there um, of you know raising a child by yourself or even going through a pregnancy by yourself and being stressed out during a pregnancy and having a man that you created that baby with disrespecting you during that pregnancy that shit right there is a lot of what people be going through you know what i mean and it's not it's not i'm not built to handle that i'm just not (laughs) you know only that uh to be honest if we're doing the connecting the dots thing it all connects because something else that i want these 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 brothers to think about is you not being there. You already know that it's going to affect your relationship with your kids. But in a, and I think the probably the most unfair aspect about that is what mm-hmm. that also does in the relationship of that other parent. Because right. I think men and women we balance each other out. Like you always see on TV and movies and stuff. Like this is the fun parent. This is the strict parent. Or this is the parent that does this. Parent that does that. Well, there's when there's only one parent there. Parent can't be at all. You can't be strict parent and fun parent simultaneously. You can't be the go say yes and this person says no. You literally, and, and this is what tends to happen a lot, that one parent who was the only one there that literally had to have no free time, didn't have any moments to decompress. There was literally no self-care, no self-love, no me time, no nothing because there was just no time for that. Now right. you're creating a situation where, to be honest, that parent, when that parent isn't able to show up for their kids in every way the kids need, now by you not being there, that's also affecting the potential of what could have been within that relationship. Because right. what, I, what I see a lot happens is, uh, and, and this is this is really weird. This might be a stretch of the imagination, but uh, I have this homeboy. The only thing, and I'm not, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, uh, step on anybody's toes or, or hurt any tender hearts. But I have this homeboy who only dates white women. And he has a very negative, very, very negative views on, on, on black women. And it was something that really affected me a lot. I'm like, hey, you know, that's his personal thing. Let me not go into that with them because I know if I've ever had that conversation with them, we might not even have a friendship afterwards because it just kind of really affected me the way or his attitude towards black women. And one day I kind of thought to myself, and say, well, maybe there's some, maybe there's some, there's, there's some below the surface level hurt there. And one day, having a conversation with him, 
I said, bro, what's your relationship like with your mom? And then he was like, man, you know, I mean, she's all right. He was raised by a single mom. And uh, in a few, it took me about three conversations to get out of him that uh, even as an adult, he blamed his mom for not allowing his dad to be in his life. Said his mm-hmm. mom always gave his dad problems. His mom was always, you know, uh, uh, just in his in his words, being the roadblock in between his dad not, you know, uh, reaching out. That's, oh, that's how we saw it. That's how mm-hmm. we saw it. And even though his mom was there since day one and never exited stage left and remained there, subconsciously, that hurt and anger he had towards his mom for what he thought was her being the reason why he didn't have his dad in his life, he's now taking that out on every black woman he sees. Now, mm-hmm. every black woman is now becoming his mom to him in his eyes. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know what? Um, and that's something I'm, I'm going to briefly just touch on why it's so important for black women to have help with children. And, um, and, and I may do a different episode in the future with just different black women even talking about uh, the other side of this. But I do think that um, black women definitely need help with raising babies because um, the data does show, statistics do show that black women, when it comes to um, killing, killing, like murdering children, their children, you know, we tend to associate that that with like white people shit. Oh, that's white people shit, killing their kids and shit. That's what, you know, we hear we hear people say this, but black women is killing their children. whether maybe not intentionally maybe it's they beating their ass too hard or something hit them the wrong way but Mm -hmm. data does show that black women the homicide for race for black women killing their children is high as fuck and it's be and and i imagine that is is directly correlated to the numbers of um the 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 high levels of stress that black women are experiencing as a result of navigating parenthood alone in a white supremacist construct, because we do know that the absence of black fathers, um, even though that it also does show that black fathers tend to spend more day to day time with their children, but there is still an absence of black fathers as well as as well. We know that that's a con a result of white supremacist construct, and so that's why it's so important for us to support each other because. Um, black women are being stressed out raising kids um, without being supported fully um, because I guarantee you black women whom are who have been in a home that they can depend on to for financially for finances to nurture them to rub their feet to r- listen to them to love on them they ain't cussing their kids out and beating their kids ass that's not a thing because they don't have to because they have a man in the house that's bringing that balance. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I don't know. I just wanted to to add that in there and say that that that's something that I think we got to we have to look at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There's uh, there's a lot to it. I think at the center of it, though, uh, this is the generation that I believe can begin the process and make the most room and improving and changing and shifting. Because I always say, we all have a shared responsibility to the culture. We're going to be the ones that decide and define it as well as do our conscious deeds determine where it's going. 
determine right. what the the views are going to be on it as well as what the narrative is going to be. I have so many friends right now, so many male friends that are now fathers themselves that are mm-hmm. that I knew growing up also didn't have their dads and they're remarkable dads. So I do see it personally. I do see it where I can give specific examples and see specific examples of that situation producing a dad that just has a, 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 a passion for fatherhood, a genuine passion for it, not a where he feels it's more, because sometimes with parenting, it's like 50% obligation and 50% passion, but you see a lot more people as like, you know, it's not just an obligation, it's not just my obligation, this is my passion, and it shows. Mm-hmm. And when we yeah. approach parenting from a perspective, because some kids, sometimes as kids, you kind of grow up feeling like, your parents are kind of just doing it because they feel they have to. Like you don't feel like it's a you don't feel like it's like a like they genuinely want to do. It's kind of like hair, here you go. You know what I mean? It's like you don't feel that love because there's an old expression that says we got to do everything with love because sometimes even when with, with especially when parenting, even when discipline isn't done with love, it's abuse. Even when talking to your kids, even when correcting your kids isn't done with love, it's, it becomes a, it becomes a form of abuse. You know, and I think. Go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I think it's important for us to continue to not just our, hold ourselves accountable and responsible, but also provide just encouragement. Like if you see another black mom, you see another black dad doing it, encourage that man, encourage that woman. Because I can tell you, throughout the day, they're second guessing themselves, they're beating themselves up, they're they're critiquing themselves far greater than what society is doing. Because honestly. We all operate with a mindset of, I don't want to make those same mistakes. Like, we work with pressure. We live with pressure. We make our decisions under pressure. And I think it does make a tremendous impact when our community and our village rallies together around each other and say, hey, brother, I hate this. I see you doing your thing. I love you, man. I love what you're doing. Keep on doing it. That sometimes could be what that person needs that day. Because let's be honest, we're all fighting battles that no one knows about. But when you are a parent, that's a whole different type of battle. And that's yeah. one that, to be honest with you, I think we need to shift back to more of a village mindset and a more of a village approach because I think too many women and too many men are trying to do it alone. We've tried that way. Hasn't really produced the best results. Let's try a different way. And what better way for us to try than going back to the way the ancestors intended for it to always be, and that's us being a village. Yeah, no, that's real. Um, I just wanted to say quickly before we end too, it's 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 funny because we me and you could talk for hours, but I think um, you know, it's funny when I was making the um like the little flyer for her yesterday and I you know, usually I try to find like quotes and shit and I was struggling with like quotes and then <laughs> I found a quote from Nas, but then I didn't really like the quote, so I didn't use it. And then I came across this quote where um this guy wrote a book and he about fatherhood and he was talking about how fatherhood has to be, um, you know, reflected in your personality. We need more fathers where their personality is fatherhood, not just like I'm being a father because I got to do this and it's obligation. So I think that that's so um, full circle how you brought that around because Um, yeah, like we do, we need more fathers that, and parents in general that are passionate about being parents and that, um, that's why it's, I think it's so important to, for us to be mindful about, um, 
and I want to, I want to, I want to ha- say this without shame, and I don't want to shame people for their, for their sexual decisions. That's not the, um, not the intent of this, but I do think that that's why it's important for us to be careful as possible. And I've had my hiccups, so it's not. It, it is, you know, it kind of is what it is when it happens. But it, I do think it still is important for us to be mindful and try to do our best to make responsible decisions with who we parent lay down with sometimes and who we choose to parent with because um we want to make sure that we are giving our children passionate parents mm-hmm. um because that's the only way that they're going to be able to fulfill the uh fullness of what it means to be a parent is if they're passionate about it i don't want my child to have a parent whom is obligated to um, who's only doing it because they're obligated because that's what would have happened if I would have if I would have carried my child to full term and had a baby at 21 it would have been me being a parent out of obligation not mm-hmm. you know because I was really passionate about it you know what I'm saying because I didn't know enough about myself as a woman to even be passionate about being a parent so I want to end there and say thank you Mac I really appreciate um your perspective and your insight on this. And I'm sure the, the, the audience will as well. Um, I will have this episode up um, November 4th. So you all be sure to follow me on Instagram at souls and G spots. Um, there's also a link on my website at www.soulsandgspots.com where you can find the link to the, um, to the podcast. I'm available on most uh most like podcast streamers i think i'm on itunes spotify um google Podcasts. um i'm available on a lot of different options so be sure to like i said click on the link to to figure out where to find me at um did you want to end with something mac i want to say conversation like this are crucial they're important and they're necessary but let's not make them just a momentary thing Let's have continued dialogue. I think uh, communication is the key to, excuse me, communication is a key that unlocks many doors. Many different things, I believe, can be accomplished when we talk things out, talk things through, and talk things honestly. Absolutely. Ashe. All right, y'all. Y'all have a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic week. Um, and be, be blessed. Ashe. Bye. Bye.